everybody. Welcome to Profoundly Pointless. My name is Nick Vinzant. Coming up in this episode, brains and bouncy things. When you hold a brain in your hand, it's quite a marvelous thing because, you know, someone's entire experiences in life, someone that used to exist, that's their entire lifespan in your hand. One of the things that I work with is called brain age gap. Brain age gap is basically the difference between the actual age, your chronological age, and the estimated brain age given by that machine that I mentioned. Uh, with these mental illnesses, we see that actually that the brain, characteristically, it, it looks older. I think I've been surprised to see that some people have brain age gaps up to like 18, 19, or 20 years. I want to thank you so much for joining us. If you get a chance, like download, subscribe, share. We really appreciate it. It really helps us out. Let's figure out how our brains work. Our first guest is neuroscientist Danny Beck. Basically, how does our brain work? <laughs> That's one of those really basic questions that you ask a psychologist or a neuroscientist and you expect to, to get an answer because it's a very simple, basic question. And then the reality is we, we, don't, we don't know. We, we know much of how it functions. We know the structure, uh, the things that have responsibility over different uh, parts of our lives. The best comparison to make uh, is to a computer. And the reason for that is because the computer sends information. So the way our brain works uh, essentially, is by processing information uh, and sending it uh, to an, uh, back, uh, to the body and, and back to the brain. Uh, so we have senses and experiences and thoughts. And all these things lead to uh, transfer of information, which is basically represented by electrical signals in the brain uh, that are sent back and forth through axons and neurons. Uh, so it's probably about the size of your fist or not much larger. Uh, really? Yeah, that's the fascinating thing. When you hold a brain in your hand, if you ever get the opportunity, um, it's quite a marvelous thing because, you know, the first thing that struck me is, wow, this thing is actually tiny. I could just play uh, baseball with it or uh, <laughs> throw it around, play catch. But the other thing is just how amazing it is to have someone's entire experiences in life someone that used to exist you're holding their entire vessel of memories and experiences and everything they've been through since they were a baby until you know whenever they passed away and had their brain <laughs> donated that's their entire lifespan in your hand and that's just uh, an incredibly weird and humbling feeling what's the brain what does it feel like there's kind of two answers for this. One, uh, it doesn't feel much different than holding uh, like an eraser. And uh, yeah, but usually, I mean, if you get a brain that is fresh, it's much more jelly-like in consistency. If you were to kind of put a number on it, one being we don't know anything, right? Like we don't even know where the brain is in the body. Ten being we have this thing completely figured out. We know everything. Where do you think that we are right now in terms of how much we know about the brain? Oh, tough question. Um, my 
Uh, honest answer would be the that I I don't know. Uh, I think we'd have to. This is the interesting thing about neuroscience. It's like a multidisciplinary field of several uh, experts that research the same parts of the brain. So um, I, for example, will research how um, our cardiovascular risk, like smoking and BMI and stuff, impacts our brain. There's other people that might research consciousness, uh, other people, uh, artificial intelligence and, and how to make an automated brain uh, other people that do the genetic side of things and people that study mental illness and if we take mental illness just like as an example of uh, of a study that we do for the brain then the really there's there's so much that we don't know there's so much interplay between genetics and environment for example for schizophrenia that we don't have a definitive answer for what causes it or why it exists. So I, I, I guess I would put three or four. We don't even know enough to answer that question, right? So No, I, I don't think so. And neuroscience is quite young. You do a lot of studying or your particular areas with how basically our lifestyle decisions are impacting our brain. What lifestyle decisions are we making that that, that have an impact on the way that our brain works? Factors like smoking, BMI, uh, high blood pressure. And it's how these impact both the structure, the function, and the overall health of the brain. And what research has found so far uh, is that there's a lot of documented lifestyle factors that affect the body, which which we know of. We, we've heard about them growing up. You know, we see ads, we... We see them in newspapers. People are very interested. It's very popular to hear about the impact of smoking on the lungs or the mouth um, or drinking on the liver. But what's now recently becoming more popular and what I'm working on is how these things also impact our brain because the brain, after all, is part of the body and it's, uh, it's an organ. How have you so far discovered how smoking impacts the brain? One of the things that I work with um, is called brain age gap and brain age prediction. Uh, so what this basically is, is a proxy for looking at uh, brain structure. So what it basically is, is we send photos of the brain through the MRI images to a machine learning algorithm, which sounds a bit complicated, but uh, we can just say it's, you know, a machine. And this machine gets trained with images of thousands of brains that we give it uh, from the MRI um, scanner. And we also give it the age tag of every individual that's uh, gotten, uh, got a, an MRI scan uh, uploaded. So what we train this machine to do, or the model, is to know the ages of each of those brains and the characteristics of those photos. So essentially, it then is trained to be able to receive new photos without any age tag and to make a prediction on how old it thinks that brain is. So this is what I've been using for my PhD and my research. And what we found uh, is that things like, uh, was it smoking yeah, you mentioned? Smoking. Yeah, smoking. People that, have, um, people that have smoking as a cardiovascular risk factor that are active smokers generally... Uh, at least in the last paper that I um, uh, worked on, 
have a larger brain age gap than people that do not smoke. So I didn't explain brain age gap. Brain age gap is basically the difference between the actual age, your chronological age, and the estimated brain age given by that machine that I mentioned. So what people will have uh, if they are smokers is an estimated brain age that is older than what they're actually what they actually are chronologically, which means this machine, it can see your brain and it can see it's been affected by smoking to a degree that makes it look older. How much of like a, how much of a gap are you seeing, right? Are we talking about a 36 year old who smokes their brain looks like it's 36 years and two weeks, or are we seeing a significant? Uh, No, it's, it's significant, but you know, it's also, it's very difficult to to pin it down to just smoking. So in in the last um, the the last thing I worked on, you know, I looked at smoking, blood pressure. I looked at um, uh, C-reactive protein, which is basically an inflammatory marker uh, in the blood, and all these things were associated with higher brain age, and and it can vary the amount. It's to a significant extent. So far in your research, like what's the biggest gap that you've seen so far that jumps out at you? I think I've been surprised to see that some people have brain age gaps up to like 18, 19 or 20 years. Um, And that's quite surprising. So it, it makes me both shocked to wonder if that's a valid true effect, like is this machine actually picking up on someone that has a de- deteriorated brain or uh, is the machine faulty or bad at making predictions? But, but we can test for that. And, um, you know, the, the evidence would say that it is a true effect. There's also been research on uh, individuals with mental illness. And one of the biggest groups, of course, uh, for for people that have uh, older appearing brains is people that have Alzheimer's, dementia, uh, and even schizophrenia and bipolar disorder. Uh, with these mental illnesses, we see that actually that the brain, characteristically, it, it looks older. And these individuals have older appearing brains. It's so sad. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. No, it, 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 it's, it definitely is, is sad. Uh, you know the whole the whole point of doing this research is because you know many of these diseases like stroke, Alzheimer's, dementia, they're age related, right? Much like cancer. And the idea is that if we can find, or from my idea at least for the stuff that I'm working on, is if we can find that these cardiovascular risk factors, these lifestyle factors, influence our brain, even if it's a small extent, you know. They influence the age trajectory of our brain in the direction it's going. And we can do something about it, then that's positive. You know, if I use the word choice loosely, the, these are things that we have a choice of controlling. I can quit smoking. I can quit uh, over drinking. Um, I'm not going to quit drinking completely. <laughs> uh, uh, you can start physical exercise. That's one of the things that has a positive effect on brain age gap and the brain. The um, how about like um, fatty foods or red meat, that kind of stuff? <clears throat> Specifically, red meat, I'm not sure, but fatty foods for sure uh, and sugar for sure will impact the brain. Uh, you know, the, the brain, much like any other part, is 
has got like a whole network of of highways of you know arteries and veins running up to it and this is basically the the vascular system and if you have a vascular system that is unhealthy or that you clog up with you know fatty acids oil um high glucose for example this is something we can measure in the blood as well glucose levels then it's going to impact uh, the brain negatively. What have you, I know you're just kind of getting started in that, but what have you kind of discovered so far? BMI, body mass index, is not really the greatest marker of, of looking at uh, health, metabolic health, uh, or even brain health. Something called uh, fat distribution and uh, tissue, uh, adiposity tissue, which are better ways of looking at the impact of some of these things on both the body and the brain health, you know, because body mass index, it, it gives you a number, uh, but it doesn't really tell you much about lean uh, mass or how the fat is distributed. Uh, liver fat was one of the things that was associated with uh, brain age gap because I looked at that again. Um, so it would appear that having a lot of fat around the liver um, is associated with having an older appearing brain. Um, and um, there was another thing called muscle fat infiltration uh, and weight to muscle ratio, which are basically just calculations of the amount of fat versus muscle you have around your thighs. I never really thought of it impacting my brain. I never thought like, hey, if I go out and eat these 10 McDonald's cheeseburgers, this might have an impact on my brain. I didn't think that way either until I started, you know, essentially being both a student and a researcher in, in neuroscience. And I, I think that's what um, I want to do mainly with my career to make these things known and to make brain health uh, a topic that is included in health. Are you ready for some listener submitted questions? Sure. If I, if I can answer, I'll try my best. Do we really only use 10% of our brain? Okay, that's a great question, actually. Um, no, not really. The, you're, you're always using many parts of the brain. Um, but it's to some degree true because you, you, you don't use the full force or the full power of, of, of your brain. Uh, you use certain areas for different things. But... Um, it's definitely not uh, using 10%. That's a myth because even in the smallest of tasks, loads of parts of your brain are activated. You know, I mentioned earlier about the, uh, on, at the very start about uh, being similar to processing and there being connections. There's 100 billion neurons in the brain and there's 100 trillion connections between them. So when we do any task, uh, some of these parts in the brain will light up um, based on the electrical activity uh, or the parts of the brain that you're using. But there's a lot of other parts of the brain that are involved in, in different tasks. And if we, for example, take vision, uh, and I think, you know, again, another thing we have to fact check, but when you are using your visual system, that's about 20%, I think, of, of, um, of the brain being used. I can't for definite say that we can't unlock more of the power of the use of our brains, you know, 
but it might not be as exciting as taking a drug like that movie Limitless, where you can suddenly do a whole host of things. Can you look at someone's brain and tell if they're smarter than someone else? Uh, no, you you cannot. Where does someone's intelligence come from then, right? Like, why is one person, if there's not, if you can't look at the brain and see if someone is smarter than someone else, why are some people smarter than other people? The topic of intelligence and uh, why people are smarter than others uh, is very interesting. It's partly genetic, I would say to some degree, but largely environmental based on uh, what you know, you're exposed to and how you're educated and where you grow up and stuff like that. Uh, but it doesn't impact um, how the brain will ap appear. Do we kill our brain cells or not? Because I remember growing up that, like, the thing that was always told to me is one beer kills 10,000 brain cells and you're never getting them back. Like, do we kill off our brain cells? Do we get them back? They, they, they do die anyway. I don't know if there's a specific age, but a lot of them start dying from your 30s and onwards. Uh, I, I do think I, I was also told, you know, if you get drunk, about 10,000 brain cells are going to disappear. I, I never really fact-check that. I just believe that. It's same here. Uh, same here. <laughs> um, never stop me. But... So, yeah. No, exactly. I think that's why I didn't Google it, because I'm not going to find that out, because I want to keep drinking. Answer, apart from the alcohol, is that brain cells do die. Uh, there's a, a field called neurogenesis, with, which studies the, you know, the, the generation of, of neurons in the brain. Um, uh, and I think that's, uh, that's a thing that happens. We, we do generate new cells. Person's brain you would most like to study? Uh, I mean, a lot of people would just run to Albert Einstein, uh, but I have a background in forensic psychology, uh, and I'm very interested in crime. So I'm going to pick uh, a serial killer. Um, there's, by the way, for anyone listening, there's no way of seeing if there's differences in a brain of a serial killer or a person that's not. Um, they might be wired differently in the brain, but the brain wouldn't appear differently if you slice it open and have a look. Uh, but I will still pick that as the answer, uh, just in case, because <laughs> I think that's more interesting than, you know, the most intelligent people. Yes, yeah, right. It'd be kind of, what, like what, because it seems like we're finding more and more, right? It used to just be that this person was just evil or this person was just that, or this person was just this. And now we're finding out that, well, maybe their brain is actually different. And those differences in the brain is what really caused this. And I see that in mental illness a lot. Yeah, and an interplay between those things. Um, if someone is born, you know, there are things that are kind of determined or genetic for the brain. There's levels of uh, neurochemicals that, you know, make me and you different people. There's levels of empathy that we have uh, and personality characteristics that some of them might be a bit more determined and others and others might develop very early throughout our early you know infancy and childhood uh, while some appear later on and all of these things they are brain characteristics but they're they're also psychological characteristics 
you know, there's there's things that will happen with our upbringing, especially impact of parents or, um, you know, social environment, um, history of crime in the family and genetic illnesses that will all impact how we go on to view the world uh, and what kind of good or evil we eventually do. But I, I don't think there's anyone that is innately good or innately evil. We just exist um, as people and experiences, for the most part, shape us. Can I get smarter or do I just use my brain more efficiently? Very interesting. Not sure how much they are different, but I guess the person means if they can make themselves more intelligent, like fluid intelligence. Um, but again, that that's very interwoven with the other one of using their brain more efficiently. Um, I mean, we all essentially get more intelligent as we, you know, grow up and get more educated. Um, when we're young, we don't have the same capacities of, of thinking, uh, of rational and reason, rational thought and using reason that we do when we are older. Uh, so we develop kind of a higher stage of, of um, br uh, brain development that makes us think more critically and rationally. Um, but also there's things like just education, you know, uh, and the more knowledge you acquire, of course, the more intelligent um, you will be. But um, uh, I don't think it changes the raw fluid capability um, of your brain as much as just gathers a lot of information. Kind of like you can get new tires, but you can't add horsepower to the engine. Yeah, pretty much. Is there an age where you notice significant decline in the brain function? One of the things I've researched is looking at um, kind of the trajectory of, uh, of, of the aging brain. And, you know, I mentioned axons at the very start. Um, and, and neurons and nerve fibers. These are all things you can see or measure with uh, the white matter part of the brain because we have gray and white matter. And having had a look at this before, there's kind of a, a trajectory that we see throughout the lifespan of an, in, an individual where people have markers of uh, the white matter in the brain and they increase throughout young adulthood. And then when we get to around the 40 age mark, we've kind of peaked with how kind of optimal this brain structure is. And then after the 40s and the 50s, and especially once we get into the 60s, what we see is that this <clears throat> kind of integrity of the brain, it starts to drop, you know. And more or less definitely connected to function. Uh, so I guess it, it does answer the question to some extent. Um, but I think after the 60s, after the age of 65 is, is where we start to see more uh, cognitive decline. If you had to pick one thing that we should be doing to preserve our brain health or improve it, what should we be doing? Um, I would have to go with like a do's and don't li don'ts list where the do's are physical exercise and eating well uh, within whatever means you can. And the don'ts would be uh, smoking and 
avoiding junk food. Oh, one last thing, sleeping. Very important. So do we really need eight hours? Can you tell, like, if you look and somebody's like, ooh, I can tell this person getting eight hours. This person, I mean, getting seven and a half, and that's not cutting it. Uh, not, not to those close margins, but the people that think it's healthy and good for the brain or you'll be more efficient if you, like, sleep four hours, like Margaret Thatcher was reported to uh, do and many others, um, you know, that that's not good. That's going to shrink your brain. Sleep deprivation shrinks your brain, literally. And you're more prone to developing Alzheimer's and dementia if you have a lack of sleep. So between seven and eight hours is the recommended amount. I sleep around seven. Um, definitely wouldn't recommend sleeping less. I want to thank Danny so much for joining us. If you want to connect with him, we have linked to him on our social media accounts. We're profoundly pointless on Instagram and Twitter. And we have also included his information in the episode description. Okay. Now let's go ahead and give John Shaw a call. If you could be smarter in one part of your life, what part of your life would that be? Oh, you know what? That's actually pretty easy for me. It's uh, financially for sure financially because you don't know how it works like you don't know about stocks and bonds or you don't know how to save money because i would make an argument that you have terrible spending habits wasting a ridiculous amount of money on stupid shit i don't disagree with that uh i actually everything you just said is accurate the stock game the bonds game i mean i dabble in that but i, I bet too much and i buy too much bullshit and uh yeah i don't save enough don't invest enough bet too much like bet like on the horses or bet like on stocks like betting like sports betting specifically oh okay yeah that's a poor financial strategy in general i would say right i i'm a big prop bet fan so i, I you know you put down three bucks four bucks before you know it i have 40 bucks in and in, in a day and it's you know i lose it all so see that's been my one saving grace in that regard is that I'm a big numbers person. And when somebody says to me, oh, it's just five bucks a week. It's like, no, it's not. It's five bucks a week, 20 bucks a month, <laughs> $220 a year. It's not five bucks a week. It's $220 a year, right? And then when you think of it that way, it really adds up pretty fast. And it's never just five, right? No. Five, tur five turns into, well, okay, well, I'm pretty sure this team's going to win. So I'll put two bucks on them. And, oh, well, I'll take the over on that game, you know, and then before you know it, your five bucks has turned into 20 bucks and you're you're just in a downhill from there. Also, I don't appreciate the way you said dabble. Right, dude? You're not what? the wolf of Wall Street over there. What? Don't say you dabble in it. I I wish people could see this video chat because your face right now, as soon as I said that, I was wondering what I said because your whole facial expression, you were like, I could tell you were thinking like, did he just did he just say that? Right, because you can't use that unless you're like a pro at it, right? Like LeBron James dabbles in basketball. You can't say that comment, right? It's reserved for people who are actually really good at it and just want to be a little bit humble. Uh, see, I, I don't know if I agree with that thought process, but I think dabble is an okay word to say if you're a novice and you just... Mm -mm. dabble in something it's an expert novice word if you have no idea what you're doing you don't use the word dabble you use the word try so wait are you saying that i'm an expert 
in speaking because I, I knew what that word meant and I knew how to use it correctly. Well, I would make the argument that no, you didn't, right? Like you, you <laughs> used the technical definition of the word, but you didn't use the word as it is used in modern society. That's the problem. You sounded really educated there. I'm not going to lie to you. Well, I dabble in uh, language. <laughs> okay, what area do you feel like you don't need to be any smarter in? I, I think I, I'm relatively street smart. Now, when you say street mar- starts street smarts, are you talking about like you know how much the price of a brick is in East Baltimore, or are you talking about like I know how to get around the city? Or are you talking about like I just generally know how to handle myself? Like if you drop me off in the middle of Detroit, like I I with no transportation and no money, I'm gonna know how to get home. Walk <laughs> there, yeah. So does so does everybody else, dude. So is my four year old son. Like he's gonna start walking. I'm, I but see, I don't agree with that. There's a lot of people that I've met that say they're from an area that wouldn't know how to get to another end of that area without a map. It is interesting how people who generally have a high IQ do not have very good street smarts. And people with lower IQs or average IQs tend to be like more real world smart, right? Like, no, I don't know who invaded Greece in the fifth century, but I do know how to change my tire and you don't. I really, I mean, you, that's exactly what I was trying to get at. I mean, I, I, I really don't have, I mean, you, you hit it right on the head. I couldn't change my oil right now. hundred percent chance couldn't change my oil. Now, see, for me, though, like, I can change a tire because I know that I'm going to have to change a tire. I don't envision a circumstance where I'm not going to be able to pay nine ninety nine for Gus to down the block to do it. Oh, Gus. But, okay, let's go ahead and move on to the <laughs> shout outs, please. Shout outs, 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 outs. I'm working on audio, but we'll see. Uh, we'll see what that sounds like coming through my device. Um, all right, we'll uh, we'll start on Twitter here. Uh, give it up for Jessica Manor, uh, Rob Z, Herman James, Cody, and uh, I'm going to end on Pistol Pete for uh, for the Twitter shoutouts. It's a good name. Uh, inst- <laughs> it's a great name. Uh, Instagram: uh, Sarah, Pamela Pletz, Anna Lee. DD and Clinton Forbes, y'all get my shout outs, uh, or, or our shout outs, I should say, for the week. So appreciate y'all. All I'm going to say about that is you handled the name Anna Lee very well. Yeah, yep. I, uh, uh, so, uh, March 10th was Mario Day. Ooh. Being a Mario fan that okay. you are, mm-hmm. um, what is the, the, your favorite? I'm, I was going to ask the best. What is your favorite Mario game? Super Mario, new Super Mario Brothers, it's the thing, okay, here's the problem, right? It was made for either the uh, the Wii U or the Wii or one of those two. It's not the most recent console, it's the console before that. And it's back to like the original platforming game, right? Where you're not like running around in a 3D environment, but I don't remember exactly what, I think it's like new Super Mario Brothers Wii, I think is okay. what it's called. I've heard Odyssey is amazing. The problem is, is that games have evolved so much now. It's hard to go back and play like Super Mario. See that I, you're. I've asked probably five people this question, and you're the only person that hasn't said uh, Super Mario Brothers three. What? That's their favorite game. 
Yeah, that's like the consensus is Super Mario Brothers 3. Well, first of all, you asked five people. Let's not put it out there like you did a national poll and extensive research. <laughs> you asked five guys who are probably all your friends who think the same way that you do. I, I, I didn't say it's my favorite. I, uh, I actually would go with Super Mario Kart as my favorite Mario game. All right, the other Mario games are more classic where you could go back and play those. The Mario Kart, though, I would just always want to play the most recent version. I wouldn't ever go back and want to play an older version of Mario Kart. It'd be like playing Madden 2013. Like, oh, that's the best one. Why would I, I want to play that? I mean, I, I go back and play some vintage games. I think a lot of people do. It's nostalgic. Yeah, but do you play vintage games that ha- because that haven't been updated? Uh, yes, I would say so, probably. Okay, give me one. Mario Kart, Super Mario Kart. Do you have other Mario Karts? Like, are you making a selection and you've got six different Mario Karts and you're going to be like, no, I'm going to play this one? No, I, I'm actually ashamed to admit my last uh, Nintendo console, I have a Switch, but my last one before that was uh, um, like the first generation of the Wii. That's only two back, dude. Is that it? I feel like there was like three versions of the Wii that came out and an Express and a handheld Wii and lots of Wiis going around. First of all, we've all had handheld Wii's for a long time. <laughs> oh, <laughs> no, I mean, I, I hear what you're saying, right? Like they make a new version of the same thing every 20 minutes, but yeah. there's only the Wii, the Wii U, and then the switch. Okay. Talk to me about Nintendo. I know my Nintenders. I do love that. You're wearing your, the same sweatshirt as our last recording. That's, that's pretty awesome. I basically only wear the same three shirts. No matter how many, if I had a thousand shirts, I'd still wear the only same three shirts. Uh, which leads me into the, to my next question. If you had to wear one of these, which one would you find yourself wearing? A man purse or a fanny pack? Fanny pack. Okay. You can get away with fanny packs simply for, it is kind of practical, and there is a certain iron, ironicness, ironic, ironic quality towards it. Okay. Man purse, you're not. <laughs> I won't even hold my wife's thing, her purse. Wow. Actually, she doesn't even carry a purse now that I think about it. She's got the like, phones, one of those phones with the backing on it that has yeah. like credit cards and stuff. Do you have a phone with a backing on it? I used to have that, actually. I, I Wow. No joke. I, uh, I just actually got a new phone, and this is the first case I've had. No one can see me holding it up to the camera, which is a shame. But uh, <laughs> Well, thank you for that. I Yeah. I had the case with the cards, and like I, I loved it. My favorite case ever. Oh, okay, that's cool. <laughs> you re- you realize the BlackBerry, the BlackBerry was cool like fifteen don't years ago. Don't you ever right? make don't don't you ever disrespect BlackBerry in I'm my just, presence? I'm just, still the greatest phone that was made. Too bad it just <laughs> didn't ever update and was a piece of shit screen, but it was still the most, <laughs> still awesome. It, I loved it. It really I loved was. It. All right, my last question's uh, a theoretical question, but uh, apparently they're going to start, uh, or so they say, taking people to the moon uh, in five years. We'll see if that actually happens. Uh, would you sign up to be one of the first to go on these tourist moon uh, trips? No, I wouldn't want to be one of the first. <laughs> I mean, I would do it, but I wouldn't. Like, why don't you guys go ahead and sort that all out, and then I'll go ahead and and check this out, right? I mean, I, I just don't think I would do it like ever. I I would 
I just don't think it's going to go very well, but hopefully it will. You don't think that you wouldn't want to go to the moon, right? Like they've got this down to the point where it is not only safety wise, efficiency wise, but also cost wise. Like obviously it would be more expensive to go to the moon, but the cost of the moon going to the moon is not ridiculous. You wouldn't go like, Hey, like your wife comes in and you're like, Hey John, they got moon trips, thousand bucks. I, yeah, I, I would do it. I think probably. What is your moon trip cutoff then? Price wise. Price wise. What's your moon trip cutoff? Hmm. Say I had a little bit of cash to to throw out, probably uh, probably seventy five hundred. Okay. Yeah, probably. I not. would be a little bit. I I would be more into going to the moon than you would. I would probably go. I would go as high as twenty, like twenty thousand. I'd pay twenty thousand to go to the moon. I would pay twenty thousand to go to Mars. You would pay more to go to Mars than you would to go to the moon. I would, yeah. What now? Where does that rank in terms of other planets in the solar system? Is there like one specific planet slash celestial body that John Cho would love to go to? I mean, I would love just to get on a rocket and just see where I end up. You know what I mean? But mm, uh, okay. point of no return. See what's out there. Just you. Well, nothing is really what's out there. You can yeah, drift until you die. Basically, it would just be me talking to Jesus about how dinosaurs weren't real. What do you think the chances are that God actually likes you? If there oh. is a God, do you think that he would actually like you or they would actually like you? Yeah, I think I think so. people are a little overconfident in that. Yeah, I think. Right? Like, uh, yeah, I think I, I, if there was a, if there is a God and like, you know, I'm, I go to the, the gates and he'd probably be like, hey, you want to have a beer with me? Like, he would just think I'm that awesome. Okay, but take it out of any kind of religious context, right? Like, it's... It's just a dude who's working the door at the gates, right? And he's met billions of people, billions of people. Oh, my God. Do you think that he would be like, or they would be like, oh, here comes this guy. Or like, hey, John. Oh, my gosh. That's a, he's just like a bouncer at a club. Just, hey. Right, he's just the bouncer at the club, man. You're, you're cool enough. Come on in. Um, When you come into the club. The bouncer at the club, is he going to be like, hey, man, been waiting for you? Is he going to say like, oh, this guy? Or is he just going to check your ID and let you go in? Probably, I'm probably just check my ID and let me go in, I think. And I think he just check my ID and let me go in, right? I think there's a lot of people who think they're much more, uh, I don't know, popular right. is the right word, but than they actually are. Do you know what I mean? So, Well, once you've met like a billion people, you're probably just like, it's oh, just another one, man. Like this one's short, this one's tall, this one's skinny, this one's fat. That's all he's thinking. You're pretty, you're probably only like, when's LeBron getting here? You know, right? You know, like, like he's gonna get pumped up for LeBron. He'll be like, yeah. hey, LeBron. Yeah, like, when's man, the, I did you right. When's the queen gonna get here? You know, like, right, right. I don't give a shit about Megan and Harry. Okay, that's a whole rant. Are you ready? Uh, are you ready for our top five? I am pretty excited, actually. Okay, so our top five is top five balls, and by balls, we're, of course, talking about sports and other balls. I don't know what you guys are talking about, but I'm talking about sports-related balls and other kinds of balls that you can hold in your hand. Not those balls, but other balls. Balls that you can hold in your hand in public without getting into some sort of legal jeopardy. Uh, what's your number five? Bravo, bravo. Uh, I just, this one's simple, just a bouncy ball. 
What do you mean by bouncy ball? Like the like the kind you would get out of like the quarter machines, you know? Like oh, the, okay, okay, all right. Yeah. That's so. I was really excited for a second, but I wanted to clarify because my number five is actually Super Bowl, which is similar to that. I presume it's the same thing, except it's the kind of ball that like it really bounces. Like you put it down and it goes. Like it takes off. There's the one that as a kid you would like try to slam as hard as you could and just it would just launch. I mean, they're just fun, man. Like, yeah, as kids, you're just trying to get those things as high as you can. Right. By far. That's all we try to do. That's all we try to do. <laughs> okay, what's your number four? Uh, a dodgeball. And I guess let me clarify. I, I'm not talking about the gigantic ones. I'm not talking about like the, you know, the the little hard rubber ones. Just Just something in the middle, you know, that's easily squeezable. Yeah, okay. Regular dodgeball. You don't want really hard balls all the time, right? No, no. Especially and, if you get hard ball right to your face. And you should That's going to be a bad day. And not a big fan of blue dodgeballs. Any kind of blue balls are not very it's not fun. So It's not. What is your favorite color of dodgeball? Cuz if blue balls is not something that you want to really deal no. with, what color of dodgeball would you like to deal with? You know, maybe an offshoot of blue. Like, I don't want full blue, like a full blue ball, but maybe like a purple, you know, maybe a red. I could go purple. That's prob- That's a very acceptable color of dodgeball is a purple dodgeball, honestly. Red is too much, right? Red is a little bit too intimidating of a color for a dodgeball. Yeah, I mean, you know, you want to dodgeball, you can perspire a little bit. You know, you want to make sure the, you know, the balls aren't too, you know, they have a little grip to them. You know, you want to. Um, you know. We should have stopped. Yeah, we should. We had it. What's yeah, your number four? Blue balls. <laughs> Football. Okay. Yeah. I mean, that's a good one. That's uh surprisingly okay. enough, that's not on my list. You don't have football on your list? I do not. Interesting. I do not. My number three is a basketball. It's uh, my reaction is going to depend largely on what your number two is. Right. Okay. I can see basketball being number three, but only if your number two is something else. Because okay. I have soccer ball at number three. Okay. I, I have soccer balls on my list, but it's not my number two. So you just ruined it. Are you going to push it all the way up to number one on the soccer ball? You're not th- you didn't think this through. You didn't think it through. Mm, you're making me a little worried, but. Right. You got to think about in terms of overall utility of the ball. I don't think that you thought about the overall utility of the soccer ball. Soccer ball is a very useful, or of the, yeah, of the soccer ball. It's a very useful ball, but it's primarily used for kicking. You can't use it for other things. And that's why it's not my uh, number one. What's your number two? <laughs> you're, you're blowing my mind right now. Uh, baseball is my number, number, my number two. Honorable mention at best. I knew you would put baseball on there just because you're a super baseball fan, and I think it's a stupid sport that's going the way of the dinosaur and is a complete waste of everybody's time. <laughs> Um, but baseball, baseball doesn't deserve to be on there because there's not really anything you can do with a baseball except for play football, except for play baseball, right? And you have to have a mitt. You can't just throw the baseball around. Well, I mean, without that's not entirely it. true, but it's it's not true. But I mean, you can do yeah. it. But hey, how much stuff you want to break, and how much does your hand want to hurt? So I'm, so I'm, I, I, I'll, I'll get back to that in a second. I want to hear what your number one is because. I, I went basketball, baseball, soccer ball because, and to me, those are, are are iconic around the world. Like everybody, you know what all three of those things look like, and you probably, you know, no matter where you are, probably come into contact with at least one of them in your life. So my number two is basketball, and then my number one 
is tennis ball. Okay, that's think about it. Think about it. Right? But I probably it should have been on my list now that yeah, now that I think about it. But think about the utility of it, right? Like you can take a tennis ball and that can be entertaining to a little kid. I have a four year old and a two year old. I can tell you that a tennis ball is something that they like to play with. They're cheap. You can generally get tennis balls for like three for two ninety nine or a dollar ninety nine or something like that. And you can use it with the dog. That's what elevates tennis ball above every other ball is because it is not only fun for us, it is fun for the dog. That and you can use them and you can use them to put on the bottoms of like uh furniture. Yeah, you the tennis you see, I got you, right? I did not put that much you, thought into a tennis ball, obviously. You know, initially I had basketball as number one. I didn't even have the tennis ball on there. And then I just happened before we recorded this, I saw a tennis ball that my dog was playing with, and I was like, it's a tennis ball. Tennis ball is the best ball. Yeah, I would, uh, if I would go back, I'd, I'd probably, I would probably put it on my list, I would think. What's in your honorable mention? Did I convince you on tennis yeah, ball? Yeah, you convinced me. That was, that was a yeah. good get. That was. That's a good one. Uh, let's see. So I, I have a wiffle ball. Uh, um, uh, I had a softball. I'm trying to think. I had one more. Um, oh, a ping pong ball. Ping pong ball is pretty handy, right? Yeah. Like ping pong ball in terms of a certain age group. That might be number one in, in a certain like college age groups. So you can play ping pong and you can play beer pong with it. That, so that's probably the most utilized ball of a certain age. Yeah, group. that also ha- could be like a uh, a dark horse. That might have been you know on the list as well. I don't I don't really know. Um, and then I, yeah. I also have a, a bowling ball and then a football. So golf ball, golf ball could be up there. Really the utility of a lot of things depends on the age group, right? Because <laughs> it kind of goes in terms of what you're actually probably using the most probably goes from let's go 18 plus probably goes ping pong ball, tennis ball, golf ball. Yeah, that's a good, you're just nailing it, man. You know, your balls. I know my balls. I have felt many a ball in my life. And I've really studied them, right? Like, I'm not just going to feel the ball. I'm going to really get down there, get it right in front of my face, and give it a good look, you know? And sometimes you got to know a little bit about what it what it's going to taste like, right? The best way to get a good texture of what the ball is going to be like, just put your tongue on there a little bit. Okay, that's going to go ahead and do it for this episode of Profoundly Pointless. I want to thank you guys so much for joining us. If you get a chance, like, download, subscribe, share. We really appreciate it. It really helps us out. It's hard to beat tennis ball, right? I mean, there's definitely better balls out there. But in terms of utility, I just don't think you can beat tennis ball. I really don't. But let us know what you think are some of the best balls out there. They don't have to be big balls, right? Small balls are good too. Seeking the truth never gets old. Introducing June's Journey, the free-to-play mobile game that will immerse you in a thrilling murder mystery. Join June Parker as she uncovers hidden objects and clues to solve her sister's death in a beautifully illustrated world set in the roaring 20s. With new chapters added every week, the excitement never ends. Download June's Journey now on your Android or iOS device or play on PC through Facebook games.